body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. Grinder Dosevich joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. And gentlemen, MSU is now a ranked team, number seven team. The first time MSU has been ranked since February 3rd of 2020. And it's 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 rejuvenating and we got a lot to talk about on the pod. So without further ado, Stinsy, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. There, yeah, a lot to talk about um, as far as MSU hockey is concerned. At the same time... <laughs> I was telling uh, uh, I was telling Phillips this before the pod. Times like this are also why I hate being a Blues fan, because the worst thing they can do to me is give me hope. the The way the season has gone, it was win three to start the year, set a franchise record for losing eight in a row, and then come back and win the next three in a row. After. Uh, it was a it was a winning first one was a win against San Jose. Doesn't really count, whatever. And then the next two, Vegas and Colorado, <laughs> both on the road. Maybe Colorado was definitely on the road. I okay. think Vegas was on the road. So like, actually, no. This is this is a good spot for you because last time you guys won the cup at you know the New Year's break, you guys were dead last. So you want to be dead last by break because then you'll win the Stanley Cup if you're. Not dead last, then you probably won't win it, you know? That's See, how it works. But, this is, but this is what I mean. They, they're starting to give me hope now. And <laughs> so I, is I'm, I'm, starting, I'm starting to prepare my uh, Jordan Bennington's a top five goalie monologues. Uh, the Blues are back. I can say all these things now, right? Um, it's just setting me up for more disappointment later. That's just how it goes. Sorry, that, that was my. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like nodding my head, looking over at Phillips. Like, go, go ahead, Phillips. We will see. They they play the Blackhawks tonight, so uh, you know we'll see. Uh, Car- Carolina beat the Blackhawks, so uh, it's doable for the Blues. Um, you know, it's manageable. My, my my little Carolina Hurricanes plug there. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely crazy series. I, I want to say last weekend, but really Thursday, Friday of last week. Yeah, we say last weekend just because. Whatever, yeah, Thursday, Friday. But yeah, huge series, something that none of us on the pod predicted, and it was very, very eye-opening. We'll just jump right into the recap of what happened. First game, Michigan State brings it to Ohio State at Munn, uh, wins 4-2. Uh, it was it was 3-2 late in the game. Russell, it was a 2-2 tie. Daniel Russell got the loose puck in the slot kind of between somebody's legs and just rifled it past the goalie to go get up 3-2, and then... Uh, Justin Jallen, was he, was he the empty netter? Yes. Justin Jallen scored his first of the season, empty net goal to push it 4-2. We got a lot of breakdown, so where you guys want to start? I mean, it was, as a whole, it was just kind of, it was a very strange game. It because was. I, I, when, we came, when they came out of the gates, it was a lot of, like, oh, here we are, here we go. This is kind of the, you know, reality check weekend for Michigan State. And a slow start, too, which they've done a lot. Right, like it took them a while to get going. They got outshot. Was it twelve to six in the first period? A lot, a lot of times, like they just could not get the puck, like establish any real offensive rhythm, anything like that. That was at one point. I think they outshot them twelve to six. MSU came back. I twelve to six like. was first period. That was in yeah. the first period. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought they fought back at the end of it. What else? Right, but no, but like still, it was one of those things where it was like, 
it was just it was not getting off to a very good start. OSU went up one nothing fairly early, and like after that, it was like, oh, yeah, here we here we go. You were thinking of maybe Notre Dame first game again. You just had those thoughts in the back of your head. You didn't kind want them of. to be front frontal lobe thoughts, but they were back there. Kinda right, and then like they came. Michigan State scored again like two minutes later, um, back on the power play. It was just, it was very back and it was very even game the whole time. But then I think you know Michigan State got better as the game went on and stuck to it. Russell put up a just fantastic prayer or not prayer, but like just missile hit in the top corner. There were two spinning goals in that game. Yeah. There's one Carson Dorwart to oh, break yeah. the one one tie, just spun it far post and somehow snuck it in and then uh Daniel Russell in the game with a spinning shot just gets a top corner. It was yeah, a couple of spinning goals. Yeah. It was it was just one of those games where uh, where it was like yeah, it was kind of the uh was it what does Mel Tucker always say? Keep chopping. Uh, like they they kind of <laughs> did you have to question that? What does Mel Tucker always say? Oh yeah, keep chopping. It's not yeah, like I haven't heard that. him say two thousand times before. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, but like they that's kind of what they did. The the they just kinda of had to stick to it, keep chopping a little bit and uh and they found it. They found their answers when, yeah, Daniel Russell puts that puts that goal in late to um, put MSU up. Then there you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it really came down in this first game kind of to endurance. As you saw, Michigan State pretty much all season has been pretty pretty good in third period. It's one thing that Coach Nightingale has touched on a couple times in post-game press conferences is that they want to play a good third period for every game. And this was really the case is that, you know, end of the second period, they go it, they go tied and Ohio State kind of seems to be coming back. But Michigan State in that third period really think, ended up just dominating, keeping their energy up. And you saw Ohio State slow down and just not really know what to do. I mean, they didn't really I don't I don't know anyone really expected them to be in that kind of situation by that point. For me, first period was I think I think. Ohio State kind of dominated the first period. I mean, you look at the shots that, whoops, I had it wrong earlier, but yeah, 12 to 6 in favor of Ohio State. I thought MSU was caught sleeping at the beginning. Then what didn't help is they took two penalties pretty much back to back that Ohio State capitalized on one of them. But then, right when Ohio State got their first penalty and MSU got their power play advantage, they scored immediately and that flipped the script for the whole rest of the game. The, the rest of the first was pretty even. The second, I'd say MSU actually. Uh, was be- the better team in the second, which usually in the second MSU kind of kind of tones it down, slows down a little bit, plays not more defensively, but just, I don't know, the team figures Michigan State out after the first period. It wasn't the case there. I think MSU was definitely the better team in the second. And then the third period, I kind of, I want to disagree. I think Ohio State was showing that they were a top 10 team and they were pushing Michigan State. They weren't blowing them out in the third. The shots were, I think, 12 to eight in favor of Ohio State, but they had a lot of good quality chances. And MSU for... I remember like first five minutes of the third period couldn't get anything going. And then for another four minute stretch, couldn't get anything going. And it was just with three minutes, 36 seconds on the clock, a loose puck in the slot. Daniel also picks up and just whips it into the net to push it to three, two. I mean, that was, that was MSU's saving grace there. And then, you know, empty netter by Justin Jalen, make it four, two, but it was, it was back and forth. Ohio state had a momentum. A lot of times Michigan state had it less in my opinion, but it it's very, telling that MSU won this game even though in my mind Ohio State played like the better team because even though you're playing against a better team like Ohio State Michigan State found a way to win 
And they had that lead with three minutes, 36 seconds to go in the third, and they controlled it, and they got the empty netter, and they sealed the deal against a very good Ohio State team that will probably be middle of the Big Ten pack for out, throughout the whole entire season. Yeah, I think one thing, especially in that third period, is like the really deliberate actions from Michigan State not going on autopilot because late in the game you're tied and you know we've seen it before where Michigan State kind of just goes on autopilot and tends to get a little bit more defensive or doesn't doesn't get as aggressive so you see you know they pick up open pucks and get those good quality shots on goal and you see they're still thinking they're still figuring things out they're not just going on autopilot they want to get these quality shots these scoring chances and not just put shots on goal and not just you know, oh, well, we've got to outshoot them. Because that wasn't the case for both of these games. Michigan State just clearly putting in deliberate thought into both their positioning, rebounding, and just their shooting in general. And another thing that I want to note, with the smart hockey, smart play hockey they that you mentioned there, MSU took two penalties early on in that game, and one of them screwed them. They took one penalty throughout the rest of the 50 minutes of play. And that's discipline hockey. That's something that we don't really see MSU do often, so that was a that was a big part of just playing discipline, playing smart, and continuing your game the way that Michigan State loves to play it. I remember t- uh, touching on this last week in last week's episode that if Michigan State wanted to win, they really had to tighten up and play discipline and not let Ohio State get those chances on power play, and that was something that you saw them adapt to in the second and third period. Mm-hmm. Anything else, game one, gentlemen? Not really, um, no. So MSU won on Thursday night, 4-2. to two. Moving on to Friday night, MSU looks to sweep Ohio State, and they do so, a 4-3 victory. A lot to break down this one. This one was, in my opinion, extremely tight-knit. I had no idea which way this was going. Going into it, I, I was assuming Ohio State was going to pull it and you know get the series split because college hockey, a lot of times that happens when good teams face good teams. But no, that wasn't the case. Michigan State holds on to a 4-3 lead. Phillips and I were on the call. We had an absolute blast. It was great. You were there too, Stincy writing, and it was just like after the game, we were like, wow, that just happened. So let's break it down. Yeah, I, that was that game was on itself just a different level of nuts. I, I did not expect that game to go the way it did, but there were times where I, I legitimately, or I feel like, Throughout the game, I mean, for like pretty much the entire duration, I felt Michigan State was the better team for the first like 40 minutes at least. Um, and what I thought especially was kind of interesting, uh, I was very, uh, they seemed to have had uh, Jakob Dobesh, the Ohio State goalie, just, just like rattled for the first 40 minutes of that game. Like, as a, a lot of things too, you can look at the goals and like go back on the replays. There are a lot of times you can see it, even on like some close calls they had. He was jumpy, like he was playing kind of like overly aggressive, um, in the sense of like you could even see like if he was getting you know kind of beat with his glove, like he would kind of uh, almost like try and lunge forward a little bit more at the puck. Trying to kind of do almost too much, you'd find he would take himself out of position quickly, just based on like kind of how jumpy he was playing, and wasn't really waiting for the the actual shot to develop. Um, Like the Muka goal um, in 
that game, I thought was probably the best example of it because Muka gets the goal in, uh, gets the puck in front of the net. He kind of just makes like one little quick uh, like crossover move. Not not even too crazy of a no, move, just no, a simple move too. Right, because he's like when he gets the puck, he's only like a handful of feet in front of, of in front of Dobash, right? So he just does like a quick little move in space, doesn't do much, uh, and Dobash just goes like on his side, like sprawling out for it, and yeah, Muga's able to bury it because guess what? Now there's an open net in front of me. Um, but yeah, that, that happened a few times, and where yeah, he'd kind of take himself out of the play a lot, which I always thought was interesting, and I mean, go to Michigan State for being able to take advantage of that, and then. As the game went on, you know, you're dealing with an with a pissed off Ohio State team that's out here trying to, you know, not get swept by an unranked team as the number ten team in the country. Um, so they go on a run. They outshoot MSU nineteen to four in that last period. But as a whole, I mean, with one goal that was a deflection off of MSU's own defenseman. Um. Yeah, they did a fantastic job kind of bearing down you know, on defense and really kind of sticking together like that. I think the goals scored on the weekend were a lot of fluky goals, and I'm very glad you mentioned that about Dobesh too because I think Dobesh was off the whole weekend. There, on Thursday, he he let in one far side. Uh, Carson Dorward had a spinning shot that went off the outside the post that was sliding on the ice and in, a goal that you rarely see goalies let up, and... He was he was surprised by it and he looked kind of rattled the rest of the game and then Friday night he never got his footing at all. Muha the the goal that you were talking about where he was right in front did a little deke got him on his side and just buried it into the open net. That was one minute into the game and Dobesh already made a mistake. Now, the, granted, his defenseman let him off on an island by himself. Somebody was supposed to be guarding Muha in front and nobody was. But yeah, but like Dobesh still as a goalie, still like... should have. Not bid on that move that fast, right? Like that—that's the thing with goaltending is it's all—it's very much a waiting game. Like the the thing they tell you in shootouts as a goalie dealing with that all the time is you never make the first move. No, under no circumstances are you the person that makes the first move. Um, you basically have to bait them into a spot where they can do nothing else but shoot it, um, and like basically make try and make it predictable, like. You kind of you can't do like the soccer goalie style of, you know, basically trying to guess which way that they're going and just jump in that direction. Yeah, you'll get burnt. <laughs> you'll get burned every time. But um, and, and I think, yeah, Dobush was not doing a very good job of really baiting them into, or trying like he was letting MSU be unpredictable basically, in the way they were doing things, and he was jumping pretty much the first move they threw at him. And that, I think, was kind of the downfall of Ohio State in that first period. One of the things I saw about Dobesh that really was telling is you just look at his performance, and especially in that first period, you know, he gets surrounded. Michigan State's really pressing him hard, and he's still, he's he's just blocking shots. He's like, I'm not going to cover this up. I know my team can get it back, get it out of the zone, and take it back down the ice. After those three goals, you saw a really stark difference in how Dobesh was playing, because at that point, I think he knew he had the yips at that because he just started as soon as it came down the ice. If it was one Michigan State forward or two, he just jumped on it and covered it. He wasn't going to block it and try and push it back out. He wanted to cover it and stop whatever was going on. Even if he had two defensemen to back him up, he got really, 
really quick to cover up the puck. And that just was a clear sign that I saw. Dobesh knew he was off and he couldn't do anything. And credit for Ohio State for recognizing that, especially in that third period on that Friday game, because they really adapted and took control of the puck and took a lot of that pressure off Dobesh. There's one thing that that I definitely want to touch on, and I think it's the ultimatum, or it's the ultimate reason why MSU won the game, and we're going to talk about him a lot. Nico Mueller had himself a great weekend. He ultimately got Big Ten first star of the week. He got two goals and two assists on the weekend. First game, he got one assist off of Matt Pascal's power play goal. Second game of the weekend, he got two goals and one assist. His two goals came both in the first period. One of them, I think like seven minutes remaining in the first to put Michigan State up 2-1. And then this one was the huge one that I think MSU ultimately wins the game off of. With 4.4 seconds left, Ohio State took a bad penalty about about a minute ago. So Michigan State was on the power play. And it was a sloppy pay, play, but Mueller was able to pick up the puck, get it past Dobesh, and MSU goes up 3-1 at the end of the first period. I think the first time MSU has scored three goals in a first period this season. Don't fact-check me, but I'm pretty sure on that. Wish I would have double-checked that, but whatever. I think if that goal doesn't go in, it's 2-1. Ohio State, you know, one shot away from tying it. I think it's a completely different game if that goal by Mueller doesn't go in at 4.4 seconds in the game. Because, I mean, you look at you look at the third period shots and you look at what happened in the third period. Ohio State had 19 shots to MSU's four. Ohio State was, they were mad. They did not want to be swept by this team. And they proved in the third period that they were the better team for that period. And thank goodness to Dylan St. Cyr and defensive company blocking shots, getting in the way and just playing good defense. MSU was able to hold on 4-3. But that, that goal with 4.4 seconds left in the first Scored by Mueller was absolutely huge for the Spartans. Yeah, definitely. And Mueller this whole weekend was pretty much everywhere on the ice. Yes. like Which I don't think I could ever say that about the rest of his career. No, uh, no, not to, not to diss him, but he was, yeah, he was I, th- I feel like impressive. with Mueller, you could always tell that talent was there. It was, ma- it was just a matter of being able to put it all together. And I think the way he's even talked about it with, uh, like in interviews and like pr- and press conferences and things like that, it, it seems like this coaching staff has really kind of uh, brought out the best in him as far as and like kind of helped him find that potential that we kind of knew that he had. Um, but yeah, just wasn't really able to show all that often. But yeah, no, he's he's a phenomenal playmaker more than anything, and like you could even see just you know being able to read and make the right play. Um, and really being able and like finding what Muka or helping on the uh, on the Basgal power play goal from Thursday. As a whole, he's 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 everywhere, being able to make himself kind of felt on the ice. And I really like that line as a whole. It's Mueller, Muka, and uh, um, is that Davidson? Is, is that it the Davidson? Third? They've been is it Davidson? They haven't done North? much all season, but in in that weekend they did a lot. They, I'm not, they, they were I'm really, they played really well that entire weekend. Uh, I think it's Davidson probably because Davidson has an assist on the uh, on Mueller's first goal of that game. Yep, Davidson. So, yeah, but as I'm saying, that that line was phenomenal all weekend. Um, especially that line scoring three of the four in that game. Um, yeah, I mean he Mueller though is he's a very talented player. Um, one thing what Nightingale mentioned, what he played World Juniors for. Switzerland and was on a line with Nico Hischier 
Oh shoot! <laughs> I mean, like we knew we know the talent that he has, uh, and I think yeah, the way he's been saying it though, that the new coaching staff, as has been the theme with a lot of guys that I've heard from, uh, really seems to just have kind of done a number as far as you know, kind of helping them reach that potential as far as player development goes, which is a good sign for the program. And you said one key word there: development. I don't know if Cole had this coming to MSU, but something that I've heard a lot with Nightingale is he develops, and he develops well. No matter what age group he's been at, he's been able to be a quote-unquote developing coach. And not just him, too. The coaching staff that he brought in also, I wish I could name name specific names and remember who said what about developing, but the coaching staff, too, is built on development. And when you're in college, a lot of a lot of your success is built on developing somebody from freshman year to senior year or just from one year to the next or just one game to the next. So it's huge that Nightingale's had this effect so far on this team. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, even then you're looking at a few guys now. What, Mueller's posting career highs. Jagger Joshua. Jagger Joshua is another one who's been, going, who's been developed into a first line, a legitimate first liner for Michigan State now. Yeah, the freshmen are leading yeah, the charge. Exactly. And that's kind of that's what makes things so interesting about this team, is yeah, just it's so different, and you're seeing all these guys take these next steps uh, as far as their um, as far as their own play goes from the holdouts from last year's team to this year's team, uh, and then yeah, the fact that you're able to see all these freshmen make such an impact right away, it's it's interesting, and I I think it just yeah, it speaks to the kind of the quality of uh, staff that Michigan State's dealing with right now, um, and one thing that I find. I I might want to do like a deep dive into this at some point, but kind of figuring out what exactly like I don't know what not what exactly makes this coaching staff so different from like years past and all that. Um, but one of the things I've noticed, and just the way Nightingale talks in interviews and things like that, is he very rarely goes into specifics uh, on like on opponents or players or anything like that. Um, like you'll see, he doesn't. He said, like, oh, he doesn't focus on shots on goal totals. He doesn't really pay much attention to matchups at all. Um, basically, he's, the words he uses a lot are, like, scoring habits, doing things that, like, consistently will get you points and, like, good style of play um, no ma- against any team in the country, not just against this one thing that could work against this specific team, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's a very interesting uh, perspective. It's not something I've really heard before. Uh, so, I mean, and as far as going, you can't argue with the results. Yeah, I mean, it's a very team-centered kind of coaching style. And it's really weird because I remember going into this season, think, you know, I asked a couple questions back against LIU. Like, oh, how'd you prepare to play this goalie? And Nightingale says, well, we really don't. We focus on, like you said, scoring habits. The coaching style seems very detail-oriented on what Michigan State is doing and what they can do better. And I think what we saw when they faced Ohio State is what that does is allows them to play their style of hockey against any opponent. They're not tailoring themselves to a specific opponent. They're going to play how they've prepared, and they're going to play the game they want to play. And I think that's what really helped them a lot in this series against Ohio State. I like that point a lot there. MSU want I, I, I never thought of it that way. How MSU, no matter who they're playing, 
will play their hockey and they won't care if it doesn't match up well against somebody else, they will run their hockey, which I like that when it works because it's working right now and MSU's winning and they're able to, you know, follow their game plan. But on the flip side, when they're caught off guard, like game one against Notre Dame, yes, it doesn't really work out. Yeah, so that's that's something that, yeah, I love to see when it's working, but when it doesn't work out, we'll see what happens because when it doesn't work out and, yeah, we'll... We'll we'll blame the five zero loss on that. I'm not I'm not saying that is, but just for uh there was the a situation. lot of that game. Yeah. So in that situation, MSU will have to adjust, and MSU hasn't have to really adjust that much. They like sticking to their game plan, but what if they're forced to? That's 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 a middle ground that we haven't really seen this team get forced to switch up what they're doing. But I'll be interested to see because that that will prove resiliency and confidence in a team if they could switch up their game plan when needed. And get results, but we'll see. That'll be later in the in the season, probably when they face you know Michigan or Minnesota or Penn State this weekend, which is a perfect segue. I was going to say the transition, (laughs) but I I still I still kind of want to talk about some stuff Uh, because MSU did sweep number ten Ohio State. This is the second sweep in a row. They swept Wisconsin last week, Ohio State this week. This first time MSU has swept two Big Ten foes in a row. Since joining the conference, this is the first time ever since joining the conference from 2013 2014 season, which is like MSU hasn't won four Big Ten games in a row ever. So that that stat just bewildered me. And uh, because of these two sweeps in a row, MSU is ranked, like I said, for the first time since February 3rd of 2020. And uh, I think they were ranked that they were ranked 19th then. So the highest rating, which MSU is 17th right now, the highest. That this has been the highest rating MSU has had since they were ranked number 15th on April 9th, 2012, after they lost to Union in the region semifinals of the NCAA tournament. Back in 2012, they were ranked higher than 17th, and that was 15th. So if, if MSU pulls a sweep this weekend, they're going to be higher than that 15th that they were <laughs> Oh, 10 years ago. Holy moly. If Michigan State pulls a sweep this weekend, they are legitimately going to be a top... Uh, top 10 team? Yeah, they'll be in the top 10 for That'll sure. That'll be crazy. So I think even if they split, you'll see some upward movement. But Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the splits. But yeah, if they split, they, MSU should go up. So with those two wins over Ohio State, Michigan State moves to 8-3-1 and one on the season. 4-1-1 one one in Big Ten play. And if you guys don't use college hockey news as a college hockey news site, I would do so because they're they're very they do very good work. I use it pretty much every other day looking up college hockey stuff. Uh, CHN, their abbreviation, named MSU as team of the week. So they usually pick a team that does very well, and MSU did very well. So they got uh, college hockey news as team of the week honor. So congrats MSU on that. You know what my favorite stat is that that I um, had found. Um, as of right now in the Big Ten, Michigan State is one regulation win away from tying its point total from all of last season. Oh my god. <laughs> last season MSU finished They're one point down, right? No. They are uh they have seven Michigan State currently has what? Fourteen points? Yep. 14. Yeah. They finished last season with seventeen. Wow. With a 5-18-1 conference record. And this is the middle of November. <laughs> yes. It is. We are filming this episode on Wednesday, November 16th. That puts a smile on my face for, for us covering this team here. 
watch it. We'll watch it. Some good hockey. The team has gone from a two three six winning percentage to um, seven seven eight right now. That's a that's a big one year flip right there. <laughs> Not bit. to mention Michigan State right now sits at the top of the Big Ten in terms of hockey. Yeah, number one in the Big Ten, which I should have prefaced the episode with that. Sorry, we'll we'll talk about that more. But yeah, Michigan State right now. Number one in the Big Ten, ranked number 17 in the country, and they're traveling to number two in the Big Ten, number six in the country, Penn State University, for a top 20 ranked matchup in the Big Ten. We're here to break it all down and try to predict what the heck's going on. So without further ado, let's talk about this heater of a series we got. The weirdest part about all of this is who would have thought that at this point in the season, who would have thunked? At, at, in the middle of November, We'd bet a week before Thanksgiving. We're talking about, oh, a battle between the top two tens teams in the Big Ten. You're talking, what, Michigan, Minnesota, right? Uh, and it's the two teams that I th- most people, I think, would have thought uh, would have been closer to Wisconsin than they would have been to Minnesota and Michigan. Nevertheless, above them. But I don't know. Especially because, yeah, Michigan State last year, we obviously know. We've been we've talked at length. Uh, if you want to look at how... Michigan State, our thoughts on how uh, not good Michigan State was last year. Just go back and listen to last season pod. Um, I, you don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, but still. Uh, and then Penn State was like one of the few teams. It was Penn State and Wisconsin were the only two teams last year that were somehow giving Michigan State any hope of not finishing last in the Big Ten that year. Um, yeah, it was two different tiers of Big Ten. It was it Notre was, Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota on top fighting against themselves, and then Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State fighting with themselves at the bottom. It's funny. Right. And now Wisconsin has not taken themselves out of that basement yet, but at the moment, Penn State, Michigan State, now top two teams in the conference. Penn State is ranked six in the country, MSU 17. I don't know. It's just, I, find, I always find that funny. The, the season turnaround. Um, is wild because Penn State didn't even make that many changes this offseason the way Michigan oh, State did. I don't, I don't know how they're doing this because going into the first Michigan series, you know, Penn State was eight and zero, and and everybody's like, ah, cupcake schedule. Michigan's gonna blow the barn doors off them. We thought that too. No, that did not happen. And then same thing against Minnesota. Like, okay, Penn State did good against Michigan. We'll see if they can hang with Minnesota. They hang with Minnesota. Like they split both series. Like what? What? The this game, this game. I think a lot of what has kind of driven Penn State's success so far. Uh, legitimately, above all else, has been goaltending. I was saying, I think it and basically... Nothing much has changed from last year to this year, but... No. So last year, Penn State was rocking with the tandem of... Uh, it was Oscar Audio and Liam Soulier. Uh Oscar Audio transferred. I believe he's now at Alaska, if I'm correct. Oh, no, he's at Vermont. Um, no, same thing. <laughs> other sides of the country but so if you want the stats on these uh the team as a whole had a safe percentage of 0.891 so they were letting in just over one of every 10 shots on goal not great um and so then at the end of the season uh the starter or more the one a for that team, audio transfers. And so Soulier, who only played 15 games, wasn't great. Had a 288 goals against average, a 905 save percentage. Is left to be the starter for Penn State. Now, entering his junior year, he has been just 
on a heater. He's yeah, he's eight and two on the season. Started ten of the twelve games uh, for Penn State, and yeah, he's got a nine three two save percentage, um, and he's been he's been the guy. He's kept uh, he's kept Penn State in a lot of these games. He's come up with fairly big performances when needed. He's been good, and then yeah, it's it's enabled Penn State to kind of play their usual run and gun. You know, fire at will Puck, play style. Pucks on that any any time of the day you can. The the no sh- the no shot is a bad shot uh, philosophy. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's enabled Penn State to play that to play that style, and they are definitely playing it right now. That is for sure. My favorite my favorite stat total in, in the country, um, Penn State leading the. Um, Leading the country by a big margin, uh, in terms of total shot attempts, <laughs> um, they have they are ten shots away from hitting nine hundred on the season. Um, second place is AIC, who's played two more games than them, and they're eight seventeen. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> and then the shots per game for Penn State at forty point seven, the second team in the nation, Ohio State at thirty six point six. That's a big gap going from just. One team to another. <laughs> right. So uh, basically the story with Penn State, they like to shoot the puck a lot. Um, that's kind of the main thing. That's kind of how they play. That's just their style of play. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're playing the way they do, you can keep other teams on their toes. And if you keep firing that much at the other team, hard to get the puck out of your own zone. I mean, it's clearly working. They're sixth in the country, second best in the Big Ten right now. I mean, you can't really argue against that. Especially when they go toe to toe with Minnesota and Michigan, like th- this clearly works in some capacity, and it's going to continue working. So for this matchup, I these two teams are very, very similar this year. We've talked about the fire at will Penn State offense, and throughout this podcast, we kind of talked about how MSU is more of not fire at will, but fire smartly at will, just like. Just bringing it to the middle of the ice, taking shots that they should. Uh, the positioning of the the guys in front of the net have been great. They wait till people are in the right lanes, waiting. Like they wait till people are in front of the net, good rebound positions before they take a shot. But they do fire a lot of pucks on net. So when I look at these two teams, they look very similar. But I think MSU plays smarter and plays better defensively. But then again, I haven't been able to watch Penn State for all their games this year, so it's it's going to be interesting. I I don't know where this this matchup's going to go, but boy, am I intrigued! And I almost wanted to drive the twelve hours from East Lansing to uh, State College just to be able to cover this game. Unfortunately, we couldn't, and I couldn't. But I was like, dude, I want to. I want to drive twenty four hours in two days time span, pretty much, just to cover this team and see what it is in person. Because boy, do we do we got a series this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, the, yeah, it's just a battle of the the unlikely good teams for whatever reason. It's, it'll be, it'll definitely be a, um, a, it'll be a series for sure. I mean, one of the other things is Penn State of all is like one of the hardest rinks to play in in oh, the country. Oh, Ice Arena, ooh, yeah. that place is electric, man. Cam, uh, Cam McLaren, our. Uh, Podmate from last season or had a catchphrase every time Penn State was brought up. He said, Pagula's a fortress. Uh, talking about just how uh, 
um, yeah, just how difficult that place is to play. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we'll see how Michigan State does. This is going to be another, another, it, the, the tests are never going to stop. I feel like at this point, the Big Ten is going to be a bloodbath all season. It's going to be interesting. And it's only going to get more difficult from here, going from Penn State and then Minnesota and Michigan, obviously with that Miami of Ohio non-conference kind of in between. So That's weird that that's thrown in there. Is that after? This is, that's it's after between the Penn, Penn State, State and Minnesota, yeah. It's, it's a, okay. a two-week road, two, two weeks on the road. Okay. So long, I think longest time Michigan State will be consecutively on the road uh, so far this season. Yeah, and you talked about it, Stency. Pagula Ice Arena, you don't mess with that place. MSU has one real road series at Notre Dame, but Compton Family Ice Arena doesn't stand anywhere near the same level, unless Notre Dame's like top five team in the country, but they're they're ranked 20th now. They're not doing the best. But yeah, Michigan State is going to have a big test. They're gonna be they're gonna be going against a crowd for the first time this season. So we'll see how they stack up and uh, just some history on the series because I like bringing this up. Why the heck not? Right now, Penn State uh, leads the all-time series record of 2014 and four. Nindy Lions are actually 11-4 and three when playing in Pagula Ice Arena against the Spartans, so that's not looking too good for the green and white there. And then, oddly enough, MSU and Penn State, or MSU, did split both series of Penn State. I think that's the only Big Ten team they split both series with last year. I could say that pretty comfortably. So, yeah, but that was last year. That's the history. It's a whole another year. It's a whole another coaching regime. It's a whole new team, and uh, we got we got some blank wins. If we're gonna try to see what both teams need to do to pull out some wins on the weekend, Stency, I'll go with you first. What do you want to do? MSU, PSU wins first. Well, to take it, whatever. We'll just start. We'll start with Penn State, and I think the key is going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't, do I want to put a, do I put a, put a sign number to this, like a set number on this. Because uh, the key is they have to, you know, basically keep those, keep up their, you know, running gun, stop, you know, shoot the puck at all costs thing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, we'll set the number at forty. If they get more oh. than forty shots on goal, I think they'll, they, they'll win for sure. But, um, just the way they play, um, even then, it, it's all about more than anything how good of shots they end up getting. Because if they're just firing, you know, perimeter shots from the outside, it's not going to do much, especially against a goalie like St. Cyr. St. Cyr's been stopping those all year easy. Right. I mean, that's what we saw in the Wisconsin series. He stopped like he made like 85 saves and let up like one goal or something like that. And it's absurd. But like, yeah, you have to kind of really focus, I think, a little more on getting to the inside um, and trying to, you know, beat Michigan State the way that Michigan State likes to beat people um, by focusing a little more and being a little more methodical with how, with where you take your shots from. Um, so I think that's going to be the biggest key for Penn State so far is just, I think more than anything is probably quality of shots while also still trying to maintain that pace. Phillips, the Nittany Lions will win if they do what? Looking back on how Michigan State played against Ohio State, I think one thing that we didn't really touch a whole lot on that still kind of sticks out in my mind is Ohio State, especially in that second game, taking key penalties and letting the Spartans kind of get more momentum and scoring chances. I think Penn State's really got to play clean if they want to contain 
any hope that the Spartans have of taking away a win from this series. Because we saw Ohio State has one of the, I think it's the second best percentage-wise penalty kill units in the country. First going into that series, second now. Penn State really is going to have to play clean and limit the amount of penalties they take just because we know that that's where Michigan State will get a lot of its hope this series. I don't see Michigan State getting a whole lot of puck time, not being able to really control it. I think Penn State, by default, kind of gets that in my mind. So they're really going to have to not let Michigan State get a man advantage so they can maintain their control of the ice. So that that's a that's a good thing to say. I like that you said that. So I searched up penalty minutes per game that Penn State has. They are tied for second in the nation with the least amount of penalty ta- penalty minutes taken per game at 7.1. So it's safe to say that Penn State will do that, but you know, it's penalties, it's it's rage, it's hockey. It, you can't really control everything and it's refs too. We we've seen that in a couple series uh some questionable calls uh being up in the press box a lot of people had questionable looks on some calls that I'm not going to really recite because we don't really need to. But well, and and this oh, season that's... they seem to be cracking down a lot more on contact to the head. Mm. So for safety reasons. So for me, I think Penn State's going to win if Solier plays like Solier's been playing this season. You, uh, Stency said his numbers what like 1.81 goals against, 0.932 save percentage, something around that, range. something around that. He's been good. He's been a lot better than I thought going into this year. I I did not think Penn State was going to be a top 10 in the big team at all. Not, I mean, granted, most people didn't, but I looked at the goaltending and said that was something that was going to be very, very bad for them, the defense and the goaltending, but the goaltending has been amazing defense, questionable offense, very, very good. So for me, it all comes down to Solier and playing his game that he's been playing against Michigan, against Minnesota, and the rest of the season. Because you look at what Michigan State did against Ohio State and how they won those games, a couple of those goals that Dobash let in, he definitely wanted back. And if you look, 4-2 victory, 4-3 victory. If Dobash gets an extra save that he didn't want that puck slipping by him, OSU could have been the one sweeping that series. So for Penn State, they need Solier to come up big, and they cannot have any weird, wonky, spin-around goals from MSU that MSU put on Dobesh and scored multiple times in that last series. So, yeah, falls on Solier for me if Penn State wants to win. But on the other side of things, Michigan State, they will do what if they want to win, Stincy? This is tough because the way Michigan State wins, it's not like a, you know, necessarily a checklist kind of like they have to do this, this, and this. Um, And against a team like Penn State, it's very similar to Ohio State, I think, a little bit. Um. As far as it goes, I'm going to say they have to stay out of the penalty box. I, that's, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Um, just because, once again, that Penn State offense, I think at even strength, Michigan State is fine. They can, uh, you know, feel they're able to keep pace, maybe even set the pace against Penn State. But if you kind of have to keep playing the whole game on the kill, Against against a team with that style of offense and as prolific as that offense has been so far, uh, playing a man down is not a recipe for success. So I am going to say if Michigan State stays out of the box, I think they'll take care of enough of the other um, smaller details and things like that um, at five on five play that they'll pull out uh, a win here. 
Phillips, MSU will look to win if they do what? I think I don't I don't think Michigan State's really gonna have too big of a an issue with penalties. And I don't think Penn State will either. So I'm gonna go a little bit different. I think Michigan State's gotta give St. Cyr as much help as possible. Because yes, St. Cyr has been able to get a lot of good saves off of uh teams out shooting. And just in general, he's been able to save like obvious shots easy. But you still can't afford to let Penn State just go ham with shots on net. So I think Michigan State really needs their defensemen to play not aggressive, but more more so deliberate. You have to be better at just trying to intercept passes and get a lot of those. That's one thing that I saw when they faced Ohio State is that Ohio State was getting away with a lot of pretty obvious cross-ice passing when they went on offense. A lot that, of offensive zone time, too. That if you're Michigan State, you really don't want because then you start setting up for screens on St. Cyr and all of that, and that's when you get shots slipped by. So the defensemen have to be a lot more deliberate at picking apart, passing the offensive zone, and really just focus on getting the puck out of there back across the blue line. So I'm kind of going to build off what you say with MSU giving St. Cyr help, but I'm going to look to the offensive side of the ice for that. For me, MSU will win if they... It, it doesn't. This doesn't happen. The face-off part doesn't have to happen, but the other part does. I'll get to that. If they win face-offs in the Penn State zone and control it in their zone. Penn State, like we've talked about all pod, they love to fire at will. They love to get as many shots as you can. And hey, if they're on the defense, they can't be getting those shots. So if MSU can control face-offs in Penn State zone and kill a lot of that clock offensively in that Penn State zone, that'll limit, obviously, the amount of time Penn State has and the amount of time Penn State will shoot it. And if you look back at the Ohio State series, two of the goals that Dylan Saints here let in were wonky tip goals. One of them went off of Underwood, the other one I can't remember. But they were just they were just Ohio State throwing the puck on net and getting lucky. That's what Penn State does a lot. So if MSU wants to win, I think they have to control the game offensively as much as they can, winning those faceoffs in Penn State zone and just getting their cycle going. Something that they didn't do the best against Ohio State, and Ohio State had a lot of lot of possession, a lot of time in that series. And now that, that's one that's one of my hindrances on MSU last series, I guess. But yeah, MSU just play well offensively, keep the puck in the offensive zone, winning faceoffs in Penn State zone, and making sure that Penn State doesn't get their offense going. That's that's going to be my s- secret special recipe for MSU to pull out a uh, couple wins this weekend at Penn State University. So those are our blank wins. If moving on to the Big Ten standings as a whole, should have opened with this, but whatever. We're getting to it now. You guys already know the gist. Michigan State checking in. Number one in the Big Ten. I don't even know if they've been number one in the Big Ten ever. Maybe after one week, if they had a good first week in Big Ten play and, you know, the other teams didn't play. First time that I can remember in my lifetime for sure. Penn State checking in at number two in the Big Ten. Minnesota checking in at number three with 12 points. Ohio State in fourth with nine Big Ten points. Uh, Notre Dame and Michigan are tied in fifth in the Big Ten with six points. Michigan, I think, is a series down, though. They've played two less games than most teams in the yes. Big Ten, so that's probably why they're down there. And then Wisconsin, six games played in the Big Ten, sitting at zero points. So that's the Big Ten standings. Then taking a look at the USCHO National Poll of the Week, 
Minnesota checks in at number two. Michigan at number three. They verse each other, so that's going to be a huge series. Penn State checking in at sixth. Ohio State at 12th after getting swept by Michigan State. They only moved down two. A little weird in my opinion, but whatevs. MSU checking in at number 17. And then Notre Dame right on the cusp. They're number 20 this week. So six out of the seven Big Ten teams are ranked. And rightfully so, Wisconsin is not part of those rankings. But those are the updated Big Ten standings and updated rankings for the week. But uh, let's, let's let's just jump into pickums. Is it pickums time, guys? I think it's pickums time. It's pickums time. Go ahead and uh, recap what happened last week, Sensei. All right. Um. So last week, uh, there's very few points went out to pretty yeah. much anybody. Um, it's a pretty bad week. <laughs> none of us correctly <laughs> predicted Michigan splitting with Notre Dame. I think we. I think we all we picked, all we all picked two of them sweep. Yeah. 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 It didn't happen. Um, then Minnesota split with Penn State. Only person that got that right was Ryan, who got a point off of that. Uh, nobody correctly predicted the Michigan State uh, sweep of Ohio State, um, so we got no points for that either. And then only one person correctly predicted Wisconsin to sweep LIU, and that was Ryan, who got Woo. two points for that. So after Big Ten play, Ryan got three points. Phillips and I both got zero. Um, but we make it up our ground in the locks of the week. Uh, Phillips and I both had, our, had two team parlays hit, uh, Ryan did not, um, I had Merrimack and Arizona state winning, I believe Merrimack was playing Maine, Arizona state was playing Clarkson, I want to say, um, and then Phillips went bold with the Denver sweep and got it right. And then he also had the Arizona state over Clarkson. Denver over Nodak, right? Is that what that was? Or is, ah, am I completely shoot. blanking that? I'll beat you to it. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Oh wait! Uh, it was oh yeah, it was no deck. Wow, that's yeah, that's a bold pick there. They they barely, I remember they barely got that sweep. Too. I, I forget my reasoning, but fortune favors the bold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm now uh, two week streak of hitting locks in yeah. non conference. So, all right, so yeah, that's where we're at going into this uh, week. So, recapping, Ryan got three points, and then Phillips and I both got two. Bring the overall totals to Phillips still sitting in first place with 19 points. I'm one point behind him with 18, and then Ryan sitting in last still with 14. But, he, but he did make up ground. Holding on yes. to that one-point lead for my life here. <laughs> Not after this week. Not after this week. So, pick'ems, guys. We got we got some new pick'ems yeah, to new pick, pick this, this week. week. Of course, like every other week. I like these new matchups because I feel like each team they're playing, I feel like ma- just matches up very well. Against uh, these against teams because you've got at the top you've got the the blue bloods of the conference, um, the perennial top five teams going against each other against the two teams that are all which is kind of like just a step below them but uh, but are all good programs nonetheless. You've got the two the two new new guys on the scene here that normally are not supposed to be that good but are way over, overperforming expectations this year. Uh, going against each other, and then you have what is essentially a minor league matchup. Um, so, yeah, you can guess which one is which. Without further ado, let's get right into it. The first one on the slate: a battle of top three teams. We got number two Minnesota Golden Gophers at number three Michigan Wolverines. Stency, who you got? Both these teams played Penn State in the past two weeks, and the result was the exact same. Uh, they both split, and so I think the two of them are going to split when they play each other this weekend. Phillips. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. They've got a pretty a pretty good benchmark with pe- playing Penn State. 
Normally, if it was at Minnesota, I would give them the home ice advantage because they got that Olympic sheet. But it's at Michigan, so I just I think it's going to end in a split. I would provide in-depth analysis on this matchup, but it really comes down to good team versus good team. I don't see I don't see one of these teams sweeping another. I mean, it's uh, quite literally number two versus number three. Yeah, it's it says it's going to be as close as it gets, and I'm predicting the split. So we got splits across the board. Sorry for the boringness, but uh, it's a good matchup. I don't I don't want to pick a sweep there. You, yeah. you know, it's going to split if I pick it. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. In lead with one point. Okay, Phillips. Okay. Uh, next matchup on the slate, we got number twenty holding on to that ranking for their dear lives. The Fighting Irish taking on. Number 12, Ohio State in Ohio State's Barnes. Stincy, who you got? I never know how to feel about Notre Dame this year. They, Me neither. Because there's times where they come out and they look really good. And then there's other times where they just drop some games that you think they should definitely have won. Um, so I think they're going to get a little bit of both this weekend against Ohio State. Because Ohio State, fresh off of two losses that they probably want back. Um, Who'd they face last? No idea. Uh <laughs> So I think that's what's going to happen this weekend, right? I've got I got another split. I think, yeah, Notre Dame's inconsistent. Ohio State, I still don't know anything about. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just going to go with the split here. I could see I could legitimately see Ohio State sweeping though. Phillips, I can see Ohio State sweeping too. So I am going to take the Ohio State University to sweep Notre Dame. I think. If it weren't for the fact that Notre Dame had that first game against Michigan State in such a convincing, just clear win, this would be a lot easier to pick Ohio State for. And I really think that loss from Michigan State falls on it being their first true road series, first Big Ten matchup, a lot of mistakes possible. And I just think Ohio State, they're going to be upset. They're playing at home. And if they play like they did in third in that third period on Friday, I think it's clear they they definitely have the capability to sweep Notre Dame. So um Notre Dame, what they do against Michigan State, they won one game and they uh shootout lost the next game. What did Ohio State do against Michigan State? They lost both games. So you know what that means, guys. I'm gonna go for the split. Yeah, I I think <laughs> I'm high on Notre Dame, not not at this point in the season going into it. I don't know really what's happened to them this year. Uh, they've lost the last three out of four against good teams, Michigan and Minnesota. But I don't know. I think I think these teams match up decently against each other, and I still think Notre Dame has a lot to prove. So even though this is at Ohio State and, and whatever, I don't know. Just give me a split. I just think a split's going to happen. We're getting into the uh, the part of the season where picking nothing but splits, honestly, is not a horrible strategy. No. Which I, I want to pick sweeps, but I just, these these matchups seem so even in my mind. Don't worry. That's why I'm here, to provide that entertainment. Thank you, Philip. So I, I will fall on the sword of picking sweeps. <laughs> I mean, you're winning. It's working. So uh, to recap that, Stincy and I picked splits. Phillips picked the Ohio State University to sweep over Notre Dame. Moving on to the third Big Ten matchup in the Pickums, we got... Elevated to Division One hockey, Lindenwood. I don't even know their mascot. Lions. The Lions. The Lions. The Lindenwood Lions traveling to Madison, Wisconsin, to take on the Badgers. Who you got, Stency? Um, as much as it pains me to pick against my home city here. Um, oh, yeah, Lindenwood's in St. Louis. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, I think we talked about the last. Technically, it's St. Charles on the north side of the city, but in that area. I better pain you to pick against them. It better. Right. It's their first year at D1. Um, the Lindenwood has a better, I think, about the same record right now as Wisconsin, if I'm right. Um, but the only teams that Lindenwood has beaten so far are the Service Academies three times and Bentley The once. who what? The Service Academies. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like that. They beat, yeah. they split with Air Force. And they swept Army last weekend. I'm like, there's a school called the Service Academy where, yeah, no, my bad. And then, uh, and then they beat, they split with Bentley also one time. Uh, other than that, they split a car. How could they? You were sorry, making this very difficult to finish. <laughs> yes, <right> I <laughs> am. Uh, but yes, basically, uh, Lindwood, first year D1 team. They're not very good. Uh, Wisconsin, also not very good, but uh, has at least shown the ability to randomly beat um like Minnesota Duluth. They swept they swept LIU who was not good either. Um Ooh. so that I think they're just a tiny hair above you know uh, the tier of teams that like, you know, the bottom feeders like Lindenwood or LIU or Army. Um so I'm gonna go with the Badger sweep. That's a very long winded way yeah. of saying just Wisconsin sweep. Phillips, who you picking? Well, first, I just have to address Lindenwood has had a tough schedule aside from, you know, Air Force and Army. You're talking about the first four games, they face Minnesota and Michigan. Both, oh, both on the road for Lindenwood. Both what? on the road. So, really tough start to the season for them. So, uh, understandable four straight losses. But, I, I mean, I have to agree. I think. Wisconsin sweeping LIU, I didn't see it coming. I I put a little bit more faith in LIU, but to me that kind of demonstrates Wisconsin. Yeah, they've got. I think they've got the ability to to win games that you kind of look and you say, yeah, you definitely should win these games. And I think that's just one of these for Wisconsin. My only issue is they played LIU close, which is not a good, which is not a great sign for Wisconsin. Literally, no. I was I went on the Wisconsin Twitter um, during that game when they were like, because I was checking on the score. I was like, oh, how did how are my pickums doing right now? Went went to the Wisconsin hockey Twitter, the same like, oh yeah, it's it's like a tie game after two periods with, against LIU, and every every other comment is something along the lines of, this team sucks, fire Granado, <laughs> uh, just anything bad Wisconsin oh, so like Wisconsin football uh, they, it, it is <laughs> it is bad times in Madison right now well it's basketball season so who knows maybe they'll do good there but uh, for me I'm picking Wisconsin they uh, they gave me two points with the sweep against LIU last week and I'm doing it again running it back so uh, we all got sweeps across the board for Wisconsin over Lindenwood obviously it ride. So, but the big matchup on the slate, definitely bigger than number two and number three, right, guys? Not really, but big matchup to MSU and Penn State specifically. It's number 17, Michigan State, traveling to Pagula Ice Arena to take on the number six, Ray Penn State, Nenny Lions. Didn't see who you got. This one, this one's tough. I, I'm still, I'm torn. But if anybody wants to switch at any time, yeah, always appreciated. I am a something. Mm. I'm going to phone it in and I'm going to just call it a split. I think this series could, could very easily be a sweep either way. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know which way though. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna just gonna call it a split and say it's not a split, not a, not a sweep mm-hmm. for the two. So that's my pick, split. Last week really threw a wrench into things because I was the lone voice saying Ohio State was gonna sweep Michigan State because just everything on paper told me that was what was gonna happen. And I was completely wrong. And so looking at Michigan State traveling to Penn State, second true road series, it's going to be tough. Pagula's a fortress. I think they'll sneak one out, most likely just by one goal. Whether it's an empty netter or some power play, I think they get at least one by one goal and split the series. I think... It's a little too easy to say Penn State could sweep at home. And that's why I, I'm going to say split. Because I know from experience saying, oh, this is clearly a sweep. It's just, it's not going to happen. So I am I think Michigan State's got it in them to, to sneak one out. So I'll, I'll just say... I'm going to a split straight up. I could see the series going either way. Penn State sweep, Michigan State sweep. I'm landing on the split. I don't really have a good grasp on what's going to happen at all. Like, I, there's been no series this year where I'm like, yeah, all three could happen. I'm not leaning anyway. This is the first time. I really don't know. These teams play similar play styles. It's still relatively early on in the season. There's a lot of stuff still to prove. But from what I'm looking at right now, two teams that look and play the same style that have had early season success, I could see anything happening, but give me the split. This is just such a weird like time uh, in the season because it's like you're starting to kind of figure out, oh, are what teams are for real and which ones aren't. But at the same time, uh, it's you know, it, I think it's weird, especially when you're talking about t- picking Michigan State um, or predicting them. And Penn State, because you knew you know these you know these teams are have not done this in forever. They're chomping at the bit, right? And so they they're two very young, hungry teams, and like kind of wanting to. Um, I think Nightingale said it before. Basically, was talking about wanting to earn that respect, or like basically saying there's a lot of respect to earn back um, in college hockey for his program. And so, I think. Yeah, it's just it's such such a weird spot to kind of be in right now because like, yeah, there's there's a chance where it's like some of these teams could have just like some massive fall off, but like as of right now, it's looking like the Big Ten is just going to be nothing but a bloodbath for the next three months. Yeah, I will. I would not put a penny on the series at all in either way because I've yeah, just don't know. So that makes it more interesting though. Yeah, less less of a grass. It'll more, be some, more surprise. The more important thing uh, is that it will be some. Damn good hockey, I will tell you that. Heck to the yeah. So uh, to recap, all of us went for the split between Michigan State and Penn State. And if you guys were keeping very close attention, um, we all had the same exact picks except for, thank you, Phillips, picking the sweep of Ohio State over Notre Dame. But for the rest of the picks, they're exactly the same. So there might not be much change up in the standings, but we got the parlays. Just to recap parlays. We got pretty much every matchup in college hockey. You have to pick a sweep. Whatever team sweeps, you get a point, and you get to build up the parlay. So if you correctly predict three sweeps for those teams, you get one point for each, so you get three points. So 
But all of them have to hit. All of them have to hit. If one doesn't hit and five do, <laughs> you got six or eight, maybe six. Yeah. If one doesn't hit and five do, then you get nothing. And there may be a specific reason why I'm saying that number. So we'll go with Houston. See who you got for your locks of the week. We are we are currently cooking up the uh, the parlay of the century this week. Oh my goodness uh, gracious! I'm th- there's one team that I'm considering chucking out of this right now. But all in all, uh, I've got Michigan Tech to sweep St. Thomas because St. Thomas, not good. Tech, not bad, not fantastic, but not bad. Uh, first time all season I've been able to pick these guys because um, they're actually playing a weekend series. Uh, Quinnipiac over Princeton. I, I love Quinnipiac. They're a very good team. Um, so we got QPAC over Princeton. I've got the Providence Friars over uh, Oscar Audio and the Vermont Catamounts. Scariest mascot in all of anywhere, the Providence Friar. Oh. If you want Nightmare Fuel, search it up. If you're scared, don't. <laughs> I've got the St. Cloud State Huskies uh, sweeping Colorado College. And then the one that I was kind of considering leaving out, but... Uh, I'm rolling with it anyways. North Dakota to sweep, sweep Miami at home. Or it, it's in Grand Forks. It's not in Oxford. So I've got, I don't know, then I realized Miami, eh, not great. Um, so I've got I've got Miami get, getting swept by North Dakota. And then I also have Arizona State going on the road to sweep Clarkston. Clarkson. So I've got, in recap, Michigan Tech, Quinnipiac, Providence, St. Cloud, North Dakota, and Arizona State, making making a nice sixteen parlay. Good luck to you. Hope it doesn't hit. <laughs> if it does, bad luck to you. Hope it doesn't hit. <laughs> if 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 this hits, it will be. <laughs> we might as well just end them now. No, 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 no. Because we got we got some other parlays that we got to talk about. Phillips, what you got for this week, my guy? Okay. Well, first of all, I just put down St. Cloud State sweeping Colorado College. Not really because I looked at the matchup, but simply because I know if it doesn't hit, Stinson doesn't get any points either. So that's a pretty safe bet. If if that doesn't hit, then it ruins both our parlays, and then I can still bank on my Big Ten uh, pickums to maintain my lead. My other two, I've got Mercyhurst, or I've got Holy Cross sweeping Mercyhurst, and I've got Arizona State sweeping Clarkson. And the reasoning, first of all, Arizona State, I, I mean, I like they play better than Clarkson. I think that's pretty safe to say. But Holy Cross over Mercyhurst. For those that have been paying attention since the first time I was on the show, one of my first parlay picks was Mercyhurst sweeping Clarkson. That series split because, I mean, it's battle of two teams that are minor league, uh, to put wow. it, to put it uh, in one way. And this is my pick. Like, I don't like either of these teams. I'm going to pick against them no matter what. And I think I think it's safe. We're, we're going to see. We're rolling a dice here, letting it ride. I've got a lead to play with. So you got three pickums on the slate. If they all hit, that is three bonus points for you. For me, though, I'm going a little bit conservative. I'm not going to... Uh, to bonkers this week. I just got two picks. Give me 
Michigan Tech, give me the Huskies over St. Thomas. St. Thomas not doing good in their second year as a D1 hockey team, so give me Tech there with the sweep. And then number five, Quinnipiac over Princeton. Give me, give me Quinnipiac, obviously. So I'm just going M-Tech with the sweep and Quinnipiac for the sweep. Just two points on the line for me. Not going crazy with six like Stincy over there. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All it takes is one split out of those six, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what was the phrase you just said like 20 minutes ago? Fortune tears the bowl? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fortune is going to be favoring me this weekend. Speaking of this weekend, good luck to both Michigan State and Penn State because it is going to be an absolute banger of a series. Unfortunately, us from Impact, we will not be traveling to uh, the state of Pennsylvania, the beautiful state of Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania. But we're not traveling this weekend, so we will not have much coverage for you guys. We'll try to get out some tweets, some stories, some looks at the game if we can, but we will not be there in person, sadly. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Mask, Ryan Dosovich, alongside Jacob Stinson, Jacob Phillips. Thanks for being here. We'll be back to break down the Penn State series and talk about the uh, the non-conference Miami series that Michigan State's got coming up. But uh, yeah, see you next week. Have a good one. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>